This edition of The Standard is brought to you by the AXA Startup Angel Competition. I'm Sharma Dean Reed, founder and CEO of The Stack World, and I'm here to help you turn your business dream into reality. There are six chances to win the competition, including two top prizes of £25,000, mentoring from myself and leading UK founders, plus business insurance for a year, thanks to AXA. Go to standard.co.uk forward slash AXA Startup Angel for details on how to enter and complete your entry by the 2nd of June, 2024. Good luck. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rustoleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustoleum. ES Audio. From the Evening Standard in London, I'm Mark Blunden, and this is The Leader. It was one of those very London days for all the wrong reasons. While the rest of the nation recently escaped a rail strike, Londoners again are enduring 24 hours of tube lines either closed or parts suspended. The shutters were up at stations across the capital, with pickets of varying sizes outside, with commuters once more breathing in and squeezing aboard buses or WFHing if they could. The stoppage is the latest in a series of strikes by members of the Rail, Maritime and Transport Union in a pensions and station job cuts row with Transport for London. London Underground staff are on strike today in defence of their pensions, their jobs and their contracts, their conditions of employment. Uh, we did offer to suspend the strike earlier in this week, uh, early this week in talks. London Underground declined that, though, amazingly, because they couldn't give us guarantee that they wouldn't impose 600 frontline job cuts. That's John Leach, RMT Assistant General Secretary, speaking to Evening Standard Transport Editor Ross Lydell outside King's Cross. All this comes as nursing staff at NHS employers across the UK vote to strike over pay and working conditions. More on this later. But doesn't it all feel depressingly a bit 1970s? First, for the latest on the impact of Thursday's tube strike and what winter holds, we're joined by Ross Lydell now. Ross, what's the mood on the picket line? Things were a little bit quieter today than they have been on previous strikes. We're now into the sixth strike this year by the RMT on the tube. And compared to previous strike days, things were noticeably quieter, both on the picket line and in terms of the number of Londoners getting around, you know, I began my day by sort of cycling into King's Cross from East London, and there were fewer cyclists around, fewer people waiting for buses. Uh, very often in the past, you see quite a level of chaos, say, on the Lee Bridge Road as people are up early trying to board a bus, often the sort of first bus into town. That was not as evident today. At King's Cross Station, it was much quieter too. Obviously, people were still coming in on the mainline trains, but there were far fewer than you expect. That sort of fabulous new piazza they have at the front of the station was quite quiet. And in terms of the picket line, there was maybe a dozen or so RMT members there. They had arranged for some media to gather there to have the chance to speak to their sort of executive team. But um, compared to past strikes, 
uh, this was uh, much more low-key, I would say. Was there much sympathy from passengers? Certainly in terms of what I saw at King's Cross Station, I think it was weary resignation is probably how best describes it. There were some people coming out of the station and looking around and wondering if they'd make their onward journey. Passengers were coming up to me, uh, thinking, I guess, that I worked with TFL possibly and asking for advice. One chap said he had to get down to Clapham Junction from King's Cross is a bit of a task. So uh, I, I told him that the Thames lines were working that would take him part of the way, but not all of the There were some tourists there as as well, who were so much to the closed barriers to King's Cross Station, obviously kind of aware that this was happening and wondering how they were going to get around. There were many people waiting for buses, but I, but I have to say that the the sort of chaos we've seen before at various bus stops was not in such evidence today. So yes, speedy resignation, I think, would probably sum it up. And so what are the key issues? I think the first thing to say about the key issues is that the dispute is not about pay. This is not an, an old-fashioned pay dispute when essentially the members are seeking more money. TfL did award all its staff an 8% rise back in April, which was the last year of a four-year pay deal struck in the days long before anybody had ever heard of COVID. And that was linked to inflation. So actually, because inflation was rocketing by that stage, the tube workers got a rather handsome rise that many of us would be a little bit envious of. What this tube strike is about is essentially two issues. One is pensions and the second is the number of staff working at stations. Could you break down the fine print for us? In essence, what has happened is that the government, as part of its numerous bailouts to TfL during the pandemic, has required TfL to look at its pension scheme and how much it costs each year to contribute to that pension scheme. And the government has also asked TfL to try and make £100 million a year worth of savings in its contributions to the pension scheme. The second issue is about the number of staff working at tube stations. Uh, TfL wants to reduce that number by between 500 and 600 posts. It says it's only going to do that by essentially not replacing staff who leave or retire. It's not requiring anybody to lose a job or not requiring any redundancies. However, the RMT is both fighting very strongly on pensions, on protecting the pension benefits of its members, and it's also resisting the number of job cuts at stations because it says the impact of that is that on workers who remain, often you could end up with very few working late at night and that's not as good or not as safe for them or indeed for passengers. Who's Mayor Sadiq Khan backing in all this? Is he for the RMT or TfL? Sadiq Khan, as the Mayor of London, is also the Chairman of the Transport for London Board. So he's obviously the the main employer, he's almost like the fat controller of the London Underground. Slightly at arm's length, you know, he leaves many of the negotiations to his officials, but he is very much saying to the unions, please, there's no need for this strike, but he is on the side of the employer rather than the unions, despite being naturally sympathetic to unions as a Labour mayor. And finally, Ross, how are things looking into the winter? What is happening here as well is that the RMT currently reballoting its tube staff members uh, for six more months tube strikes. It feels very much to me that the unions are absolutely not prepared to concede on pensions. They essentially see the pensions as as probably the only key perk that still remains for many tube staff and they are not willing to see these pensions reduced in value. So I think they've really dug in for the long haul here and unless, you know, Sadiq Khan has promised that he will actually not approve any detrimental changes to the pension scheme and unless that is actually put in writing and the, the unions feel there is that 
safeguard. I cannot see this strike ending anytime soon. Let's go to the ads coming up. Latest on nurses' winter strike ballot. How will this hit London hospital waiting lists? Why not hit rate and follow in the meantime? Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Now for the latest on those potential nurses' strikes, we're joined by Evening Standard Health reporter Daniel Keane. But first, here's Pat Cullen, General Secretary of the Royal College of Nursing. Nurses are now being pushed to the knife edge, not able to pay their bills, not being able to look after their households and worrying about where the next money is going to come for to make ends meet. And then when they go into work, they're equally getting a raw deal because they go into work every day to try and look after their patients in the best possible way and they're faced with tens of thousands of vacancies. Daniel, what's the latest you're reporting on Thursday? Two huge pieces of news uh, regarding the NHS. Firstly, that the number of people waiting for treatment at the end of September had reached 7.1 million, which is the highest figure ever at the end of of September. And secondly, of course, yesterday, that announcement from the Royal College of Nursing that strikes will go ahead across England. That includes nine strikes in London, nine strikes across NHS trusts in London, I should say, and around the country, it's around half of NHS employers. So it will really have quite a big impact going into the winter. So in a sense, one will make the other worse. It's very unlikely we're going to get through this backlog without proper adequate nursing staff levels. What's the Royal College of Nursing calling for? So the union want a pay rise of inflation plus 5%. RPI inflation is running at around 12%. So you're looking basically at a 17% pay rise. But I think what's interesting is the union really see this as correcting a long-term deficit in pay. So they commissioned research last month, which found in real terms, the salary of an experienced nurse had fallen by 20%. So the way that they see it is actually they're trying to bring nursing pay back to where it was quite a long time ago and not just to weather the storm of the economic turbulence in the coming months. What are some of the main London hospitals and trusts that could be hit with industrial action, particularly as they battle these COVID backlogs? There's some really, really big hospitals in London which are involved in this strike. Guys in St. Thomas, one of the biggest trusts in London, but you also have more specialist hospitals like Great Ormond Street, which is obviously for children, and then the Royal Milestone for cancer. I think it's important to note that we don't really know what staffing levels are going to look like because the RCN is negotiating this with each individual trust. So we should get a clearer picture of just what an impact this will have on treatment in the next few weeks, um, possibly in the next fortnight. But certainly in terms of particularly getting through a backlog of care that already exists, it will be hugely harmful. Is there much appetite from the government to head off nurses' strike action? To be honest, we've had two different health ministers in the past 10 weeks. The messaging has been very slightly different. When I spoke to former Health Secretary Therese Coffey around a month ago, she took a very, very hard line and there was no suggestion that a negotiation was going to take place. In a sense, that hasn't changed. Steve Barclay is still quite bullish about pay. They say they've accepted the pay review body's recommendation and that's it. However, sources 
close to Barclay have kind of been briefing that that he is in listening mode is what they're saying and he wants to hear from nurses about their concerns and i think one of the things that's important to note is while the government may not move on pay one of the reasons that nurses are striking is that their actual material working conditions are very bad they're working very long hours they're under huge pressure and one of the things that could alleviate that as a workforce plan so if the government could publish or could sort of come up with a scheme to recruit more nurses and actually ease the pressure on their working lives, then that could be a way of actually finding a solution to this. It's not necessarily just about pay. That's a, obviously a huge part of it, but it's about exhaustion and it's about feeling overworked and undervalued. So there are important other things to keep in mind. There's more on these stories in the Evening Standard newspaper and online at standard.co.uk. That's The Leader. We're back tomorrow at 4pm. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. And the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.